0: Romans chapter 8. Now, I know, I'm just going to start right off here right now. Every one of you are wondering, what's this KJV 1900 down here? Okay, I'm just going to get it out front right away, all right? This is the Cambridge edition, the first printing of the Cambridge edition, and I can't get it off there. I don't know how. Anyway, there it is, okay? Tried a new program this week, and that's what it gave me. So there we go. Just to get it off the hop, it is just the printing of it. That's the... First time Cambridge printed it, apparently. So, all right, Romans chapter 8. We are going through, and how many of you remember what the theme of Romans chapter 8 is? Oh, that's good. Wow. We've made such an impact on you that it's just like, wow, I just know what it is. Superstar Christian. Okay, good. We're getting there. That's a living a victorious, all right? (laughs) Supernatural. Supernatural lifestyle, good, that's good. Wow, you guys are so smart, okay? The entire theme is about victorious, living supernaturally, conquering, overcoming. All of those things are found in Romans chapter 8, and we are really taking a deep dive into this because I think it's so important. You can see in verse 8, the Bible says this, so then they that are in the flesh cannot please God. Now, I've hit this over and over and over and over again. I think for the last three weeks, this will be the third time we've read this verse, but it's so important, okay? It is important to remember that when we are in the flesh, we cannot please God all is, again, being dogmatic. And, and again, our society doesn't like people who are dogmatic, but here is the fact, the black and white. If you are in the flesh, you cannot please God in any way, shape, or form. What if I'm doing the right thing? Again, doesn't matter. You cannot please God. What if I'm preaching the gospel, something that God commanded me? If you're doing it in the flesh, you cannot please God. It must be done through the Spirit of god and i want you to understand this we have all kinds of christians walking around in the flesh today they're doing their absolute best trying to please god but they're doing it in themselves they're doing their best to please god they're doing it in the flesh when you are in the flesh you cannot please god look at verse 9 the bible says this but ye are not in the flesh i want you just to stop there i like this okay because this is not only just, it's just a, it's an encouraging word. Okay, he said, listen, if you're in the flesh, you cannot please God. However, he says, but you are not, I like that word, not in the flesh. You're not in the flesh. Especially you are in the Spirit, he says, if so be that the Spirit of God dwell in you. If you've accepted Jesus Christ as your personal Savior and the Spirit of God indwells your life, then you have the Spirit. Anyone who has the Spirit of God dwelling in them does not have to live in the flesh. So notice, now if any man have not the Spirit of Christ, he is not of his. Okay, so he, he, he contrasts these things once again. So anyone who has the Spirit of God dwelling in them does not have to live in the flesh. I want to say it again, okay? Because we live, most of us, live defeated Christian lives. Most of us don't go on and live victorious, uh, uh, charging hell with a squirt gun kind of life. We live in a very defeated life. But listen, if we are in the Spirit, if we have the Spirit of God dwelling in us, we do not have to live in the flesh. Last time we met, we spent a great deal of time developing and delving deep into what the Spirit does for us. And there's a lot of things that the Spirit does for us. Number one, He guides us into all truth. Number two, He comforts us. Number three, he teaches us about God. Number four, he builds us to be a habitation for God, so that God wants to dwell with us. And number five, he strengthens us for the fight over sin. So he gives us that supernatural ability to overcome sin. But I want you to notice in verse 10, the Bible says this, And if Christ be in you. If you have Christ, you have His Spirit, if He is in you, notice the body is dead. The body is dead because of sin. But notice this, but the Spirit is life because of righteousness. Let's pray, and we'll get into verse 10 here. Father, thank You so much for this day, for all that You do for us. Father, truthfully, Your Word is so powerful. It is sharper than any two-edged sword, piercing even, dividing us under soul and spirit. The joints in marijuana is a discerner of the thoughts and the intents of the heart. Father, oftentimes we are trying to do the right things the wrong way. And Father, I pray that you would help us to have the intents of our heart looked at very carefully tonight. Father, that you would show us exactly how you want us to live this life as according to the way you want it to be done. Father, we love you. We're so grateful for the opportunity. and We just pray that you would work in these things we love you and we pray all these things in Jesus name amen I want you to notice this here we see Paul giving us a juxtaposition right he's showing us two things and he's saying these things are present in you both at the same time does anybody get frustrated by that anybody frustrated by the fact that you have the old man living inside of you as well as the new man I despise it I'm sick of it. I'm just done with the old man. I'm sick of it. I want to move on. I just want to please God with my life. I don't want there to be this tension. I just want to have the new man. But notice we have death and life present both at the same time. But did you notice why our bodies are dead? Why are are our bodies dead? The body is dead. Look at this word because of what? Because of sin. I don't know how many times in the book of Romans I've said this, but sin always brings death. Every single time. Sin always brings death. Our body is dead because of sin, even with Christ in us. Notice the first part of this verse, and if Christ be in you, notice it says the body is dead because of sin. Okay, so I want you just to think about this, and I want you to, we we often will go back to Genesis. So I want you to go back to Genesis chapter 2. Genesis chapter 2. Keep your finger here in Romans chapter 8. Go back to Genesis chapter 2. Genesis chapter 2. You see, Christ be in you, the body is dead because of sin. Genesis chapter 2 and verse 15, the Bible says this. And the Lord God took the man... And put him into the garden of Eden to dress it and to keep it. And the Lord God commanded the man, saying, Of every tree of the garden thou mayest freely eat. Notice verse 17. And here it is. I'll show it to you on the screen too if you need it. But of the tree of the knowledge of good and evil, thou shalt not eat of it. Notice this. For in the day that thou eatest thereof, thou shalt surely, notice this, surely die. Okay, so, the day that you eat, the day that you disobey this commandment, the day that you go against the commands of God, the day that you sin, notice with it, with me, thou shalt surely die. God made a promise to Adam. God made a promise to Adam if you do this, you will surely die. Now, let me ask you was God wrong? Was God wrong? Now, let me continue. That's good. Did Adam immediately die? So the answer is yes and no. Those are the worst questions when a preacher asks them. They're trick questions. The reality is spiritually he did die. Spiritually he became separated from God. Because remember, he would walk with God in the garden. In the cool of the day, he would just walk and talk with God as a friend would speak to any other friend just walking and talking with God. This is the relationship that Adam and God have. This would be so amazing. But in the day that thou eatest thereof, thou shalt surely die. So he immediately spiritually died. And eventually he would physically die. And so... God wasn't lying after all. But you notice, right, go to Genesis chapter 3, look at verse 4. The Bible says this in verse 5. The serpent said unto the woman, excuse me, verse 4, ye shall not surely die. And a direct contradiction. It's a direct contradiction, and here the reality is that Satan will do that. But Satan's not lying completely, is he? You shall not surely physically die, but he just happens to leave that part out. So, so he's partially right, which is often what Satan will do, is he'll take truth and just twist it just a little bit. He'll make it look just good enough, but twist it just a little bit. Listen, they would have been better off just to trust God. Verse 5, For God doth know that in the day ye eat thereof, then your eyes shall be opened, and ye shall be as gods, knowing good and evil. Which was also true. But they became unlike God in every other way. You realize that? to, To become like God in one way, they had to become unlike God in every other way. The reality is I would much rather be like God in every other way than to know good and evil. Just keep me blind to all of that. But Satan will take what you have and he'll make what you don't have look for some reason much better. The old saying is the grass is always greener on the other side. But here, once again, we see sin leads to death. Sin leads to death. I want to go back here, and I want you to notice this phrase. I love this. This word, but. Just but. The body is dead because of sin. But. But is one of the greatest words in the Christian life, isn't it? You were dead in your sins, but you've been made alive. Notice, this is who we were. He is still present in us. That body of death is still present within us. But the Spirit is what? Is life. The Spirit is life. Listen, everything that is associated with the Spirit is associated with life. Everything. In fact, at creation, guess who was active? The Spirit of God. The Spirit of God is associated with life. Sin is always associated with death. The Spirit is always associated with life. It happens constantly and consistently. Listen, this is an important phrase for us as Christians here. The Spirit is life. Notice that. The Spirit is life. Don't forget that ever. The Spirit is life life but did you happen to notice why the spirit is life here it is again because of righteousness because of righteousness why is the spirit life well it's because of righteousness well whose righteousness it's not our righteousness remember all of our righteousnesses are as filthy rags We can do nothing. In fact, several weeks ago, we did a study through the Bible on righteousness. We did not use a dictionary. We didn't use a commentary. We just used the Bible to define righteousness. Righteousness is only God's righteousness. The only righteousness that can do anything is the righteousness of God. If you want to gain life, it can only be done through the righteousness of God. Notice it's the Spirit. He is the Spirit is life because of righteousness. Now let's continue into verse 11. But if the Spirit of Him that raised up Jesus from the dead. So I want you to see this phrase. Raised up Jesus. Whoa, that was really bad. I looked away. Raised up Jesus from the dead. Okay, if that spirit dwell in you, he that raised up Christ from the dead shall also quicken your mortal bodies by his spirit that dwelleth in you. Okay, I want you to notice this. If the spirit of him that raised up Jesus from the dead, do you realize that there is a spirit. There is a spirit. There is a spirit that had the power to raise Jesus from the dead. Don't miss that. Again, if you've been in church for a long time, you're like, yeah, 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 that's Easter. We know. No, don't miss that. There is a spirit that had the power to raise Jesus from the dead, but not just raise Him from the dead. Listen to this. There is a spirit that had the power to defy the grip of sin. Do you realize that when Jesus Christ died on the cross, every single sin of the entire world, past, present, and future, that means your sin, that means my sin, was placed upon Him. And it was so ugly that his father God turned his back on him and Jesus cried out, My God, my God, why hast thou forsaken me? And that sin sent him to death. And there's a spirit that is powerful enough to raise him to conquer that grip of sin. Not only was it powerful enough to raise him from the dead, defy the grip of sin, but number three, it had the power to destroy the bond of hell you realize that there's no escaping hell, right? It's inevitable for every sinner. The reality is, you remember the rich man and Lazarus, right? The rich man dies and Lazarus dies. We both die at the same time and the rich man goes to hell and Lazarus goes to what's called Abraham's bosom. The Bible says that there's a great gulf. So that one cannot pass to the other and the other cannot pass to the one and so it is impossible the rich man cried out send lazarus no there's a great gulf fixed you realize that there is no getting out of hell yet there is a spirit powerful enough to raise up jesus from the dead to defy sin and to destroy the bond of hell and raise him again from the grave but not only did it raise him again, this spirit was powerful enough to lift him in heavenly places. And there he sits on the right hand of God. You see, this is the spirit of God. He, uh, he is alive forevermore. Even this, listen, he conquered every last enemy, 1 Corinthians chapter 15. Every enemy shall be made his footstool. And that enemy, and at the end of 1 Corinthians chapter 15, O death where is thy sting? O grave, where is thy victory? Listen, Jesus Christ, this is the Spirit that raised up Jesus from the dead. But look at this. I like this. He that raised up Christ from the dead, look at this, shall also. Isn't that awesome? Shall also quicken your mortal bodies you see this same spirit that accomplished all of this in christ jesus listen can and will do the exact same thing for you you realize that if you are saved you defeated death you had an ability to defy sin you no longer have a grip held on to you by hell you have none of that you are free because of the spirit that same spirit that is alive in you right now if you know jesus christ as your personal savior that same power shall also quicken your mortal bodies now i want you to if you would please turn to john chapter 5 john chapter 5 Book of John chapter 5, look with me in verse 21. John chapter 5 and verse 21, notice what the Bible says, For as the Father raiseth up the dead, and quickeneth them, even so the Son quickeneth whom he will. For the Father judgeth no man. But hath committed all judgment unto the Son, that all men should honor the Son, even as they honor the Father. He that honoreth not the Son honoreth not the Father which hath sent him. Verse 24. Verily, verily, I say unto you, he that, watch this, heareth my word, and believeth on him that sent me, watch this, hath everlasting life. And, shall not come into condemnation, but is passed from death unto life. See, what I want you to see today is not only is Paul saying this in Romans chapter 8, the apostle John, the apostle whom Jesus loved, said the exact same thing in John chapter 5. Listen, you can have the same power to pass you from death unto life, to no longer have condemnation, but to be free. Have your life be quickened. This is so important. So we can pass from death unto life. He can quicken or make alive our mortal bodies. Let's continue to verse 12 of Romans chapter 8. Romans chapter 8 and verse 12. Now, because of all that, right? Right. Here's that word, therefore. If you're a Bible student and you see the word therefore, you should always go back to see what it's, Therefore, okay, so we just walked through the Spirit, the power, everything. Because of all of that, brethren, we are debtors. We're debtors. But Paul wants to make it very clear to what, to whom we are debtors, not to the flesh. Absolutely not to the flesh to live after the flesh. Now, I want you just to stop there just for a second. You you, you may ask, well, that's common knowledge. That's normal. That's just everyday life. We know that. We've, We've been Bible students. We know that we owe nothing to the flesh. Yet here, listen to this, most of us think we do. Most of us think we do owe something to the flesh. You know why? Because when that lustful urge, whatever it may be, What do we do? We have to feed it. I I hear people say things like this. I'm only human. I owe it to myself. That's unbiblical. You see, the reality is you owe nothing to your flesh. You are not a debtor to your flesh. The only person you're a debtor to, Paul talks about I am a debtor to to the Greeks. And... To the jews you see we have a responsibility to get the gospel to other people but we are not a debtor to the flesh because of the power of the spirit of god we are no longer a debtor to the flesh i don't have to do what i want to do i'm not enslaved to that sin anymore i'm free i've been made alive i don't have to live there any longer We don't have to succumb to its every desire. Listen, that ought to be liberating. Because there is a world, a world that's constantly saying, well, I just felt like I had to. I really hated that guy, so I just felt the need, the urge to just go kill him. I really, I looked at that lady, and man, I just couldn't contain myself, and I had to go commit fornication with her. Man, I was really hungry, and so I decided to be a glutton that day. And the list could go on and on. Man, I was feeling really depressed, so I felt like I had to drink my way out of that. Drugs, alcohol, women, I mean, the list goes on and on and on and on. But Paul's being very clear here. You are not a debtor to the flesh. You don't have to live after the flesh. We don't have to be drawn away of our own lust and enticed. We don't have to have any debt to our flesh, and so we don't have to live after the flesh. So at this point, right now, I hope you're asking yourself the question in your mind, well then, how do I not live after the flesh? I know I don't have to. You've made that abundantly clear, but how do I not? How do I not live after the flesh? How do I not do these things? And listen, Paul's not uh, trying to shade the truth from us. He's trying to bring it out openly. So look at verse 13. It says, you don't have to live after the flesh, but verse 13, for if ye live after the flesh, guess what? Here it is again, ye shall die. <laughs> Sin always equals death. But, there's that word again, but if ye Do mortify the deeds of the body, ye shall live. So that's it. Just mortify the deeds of the body and you're good. Good. Skipped it on purpose. It's got to be through the Spirit. Right? And we, we do this. I do this. I've done this my entire life. I'll sit in a meeting like we just had last weekend and I'll hear good preaching on things that I'm not supposed to do. And I'll go home and I say, we're done with this. And I'm throwing my CDs out. and I'm th- Maybe you guys had record players. I don't know what, a, what a you had. But like, I'm throwing all this junk out. And I'm not thinking like that anymore. And I'm going to read my Bible. And I'm going to mortify the deeds of the flesh. For some stinking reason, I forget three words. You see, the reality is through the Spirit those things brought, were brought to my attention. Through the Spirit, the Lord convicted me about those things, and for some strange reason, I think that in my flesh I'm going to do that. Remember what Paul said just a few verses before, in my flesh dwelleth no good thing. And so what am I supposed to do? I'm supposed to mortify the deeds of the flesh. Listen, don't miss this. The only way that we are going to put our flesh to death for good is only through the Spirit of God. Only going to happen through the Spirit of God. I want to take you to Colossians chapter 3. Go to Colossians chapter 3. This is a verse I've used over and over and over and over again, trying to get myself, people, to realize. To mortify their flesh. Put it to death. The Bible says in verse 1, Colossians chapter 3 and verse 1. If ye then be risen with Christ, seek those things which are above. Where Christ sitteth on the right hand of God set your affection on things above not on things on the earth that's important okay because it, it it gives us a focus um i've often said it this way it's a setting all of us have phones computers and different things right there's settings on there and if i want to change something about it what do i do i change the setting so set your affections on things above don't set your affections down here set them on things above verse three for ye are what dead ye are dead what is that your flesh is dead and your life is hid with christ in god but look at this verse 4 when christ who who is our life when christ who is our life shall appear what shall happen then shall ye also appear with him in glory verse 5 mortify therefore because christ is coming because someday we're going to be glorified with him in glory, in number five, verse five. Mortify therefore your members which are upon the earth. Put them to death. What, what are we supposed to mortify? Fornication, uncleanness, inordinate affection, evil concupiscence, a lot of big words here, and covetousness, which is idolatry. For which things sake the wrath of God cometh on the children of disobedience. Okay? So if you wanna be Perfect. If you want to be upright, if you want to be pleasing to God, when He comes again and snatches up us us up in the air, and so shall we be together with Him. If we want to be right, what do we have to do? Mortify the deeds of the flesh. Put them to death. Okay, rah rah ree. Kick him in the knee. We're going to do it. Look at verse seven. In the which ye also walked sometime when ye lived in them, but now ye also put off all these anger, wrath. Malice, blasphemy, filthy communication out of your mouth. Okay. All right, I was pretty good on the rah-rahs in verse 5 and 6. But now you're adding more. And my, I'm starting to dwindle and that's a lot of weight to handle. Okay? Verse 9, lie not one to another. Seeing that you have put off the old man with his deeds. Okay, it's starting to get really heavy now. I don't know if I can handle all that. I have to put off the old man. Verse 10 and have put on the new man which is renewed in knowledge after the image of him that created him okay i've i've preached this so many times i feel like it just comes rolls off my tongue but there's no action put off the old man put on a new man just do it just do it anybody ever asked themselves how 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 do I accomplish this putting off the old man and setting my affection and putting on the new man? I want you to notice this phrase in verse 10. And I put on the new man. That's that's good. We're supposed to do that. But look at what the description is, which is renewed in knowledge. That's important. Okay? Renewed in knowledge. Notice this. After the image of him that created him. Okay, so hear me. This new man looks identical to God. The new man that we are supposed to be putting on looks what? Looks identical to God. Anybody like, want to raise their hand and say, yeah, I look identical to God? You know, you know Adam, right? He was created in the Image of God, right? Let's just do it. Let's go back to Genesis. This is off the cuff, so if it's not good, this is why. I've done this before, but I think it's important for you to see. All right, let's go to... Mm Verse 26 of chapter 1. Genesis chapter 1 and verse 26. And God said, let us make man in our image, after our likeness, and let them have dominion over the fish of the sea, and over the fowl of the air, and over the cattle, and over all the earth, and over every creeping thing that creepeth upon the earth. Verse 27. So God created man in his what? In his own image. In the image of God created he them. Male and female created he them. That's pretty plain. Man and woman were created in the image of God. But now I want you to go to Genesis chapter 5. Genesis chapter 5. And Adam lived hundred and thirty years. But watch this. And begat a son in his own likeness after his image and called his name Seth. What changed? If all men were created in the image of God, what changed? The three letter word, sin. So now all of a sudden, we are no longer, because we were like God, but we wanted to be just a little bit more like God. And what happens is we lost the image of God. And Colossians is telling us listen, we need to put on the new man. Be renewed in our knowledge after the image of him that created him. Now, go to Romans chapter 8. You should have your finger there anyway. Romans chapter 8. This will blow your mind if you don't know this yet. Verse 29. We'll get here, by the way. This is like getting ahead of ourselves, but look at this. For whom he did foreknow, watch this, he also did predestiny to be what? To be conformed to the image of of his son that he might be the firstborn among many brethren you see god created us in his image man as always messes it up but god created a way for us to get back into his image but yet here we sit sinful frustrated wicked defeated man Still frustrated that we're not in the image of God. Listen, God predestinated that we should be conformed to His image. Before the world began, God wanted us in His image. So let me ask you tonight Are you right now, where are you sit, in the image of God? Maybe I should ask you a different question. Is it possible? Ooh. Is it possible? How do I mortify the deeds of the flesh? How do I put off the old man? How do I put on that new man that looks, that walks, that talks, that does what Jesus would do? How do I conform to his image? How can I be conformed to the image of my creator? Very simply, the answer is through the Spirit. Pastor Yeoman's you still have to answer my question. How? I want to illustrate using Jesus' words. So I want you to turn to John chapter 6. Go to John chapter 6. I want you to understand this is just an illustration. This I'm not trying to take this out of context. Okay? The context of this passage is this the jews want to see a sign that jesus is working the works of god right the jews require a sign the greeks seek after wisdom so they want to see a sign show us a sign that this is actually of god and they give the illustration hey just like god sent manna to the children of israel we want to see you give a sign that this is the work of god well they should have chosen a little bit of a better example because what Jesus does is he takes that example and he says, Listen, I am the bread of life. Just like the manna was sent down from God, so am I sent down from God. I am the bread of life. I want you to take a look with me in John chapter 6 and verse 53. You can see in verse 48, I am that bread of life. Verse 51, I am the living bread which came down from heaven. And then I want you to notice verse 53. Then Jesus said unto them, Verily, verily, I say unto you, Except ye eat the flesh of the Son of Man and drink His blood, watch this, ye have no life in you. ho. Oh, it's transubstantiation. We're... A lot of religions and mostly, mostly Catholicism believes that when you eat communion, you eat the bread, it actually changes to become the body of Christ, physical body of Christ, cannibalism. When you drink the juice, it actually, or the wine, it actually changes into the blood of Christ. This is where they come up with this. But read, read very carefully. Ye have no life in you. Unless you eat and drink His blood, you have no life in you verse 54 whoso eateth my flesh and drinketh my blood hath what hath eternal life and i will raise him up at the last day verse 55 for my flesh is meat indeed and my blood is drink indeed as the living father hath sent me and i live by the father so shall he that eateth me even he shall live by me this is that bread which came down from heaven, not as your fathers did eat manna and are dead, he that eateth of this bread shall live forever. Here's why I want to illustrate with this the Spirit is life. Jesus said, If you will eat of my flesh and you will drink of my blood, you will have what? Eternal life. Now, obviously, you can see in the next few verses, this was a hard thing for these people to understand. Even the disciples are like, whoa, that's a little freaky. What do you mean you have to eat? That's, that's cannibalism, Jesus. You can't, you can't say that. Now, we, looking back, we understand that trusting Jesus Christ and his broken body and his shed blood for the remission, remission of sin, we gained eternal life. It was, it was trusting in that. It wasn't actually physically eating a human body. Listen, it was trusting in his broken body. It was trusting in his shed blood for the remission of sins. But jump down with me in verse 63. I want you to see this. It is the spirit that quickeneth. Notice again, the flesh profiteth nothing. Look what he says at the end. The words that I speak unto you, they are spirit and they are life. Okay, don't miss this. We have a responsibility to put on the new man, to set our affection on things above, to, to have knowledge, more knowledge. And Jesus is saying, eat of my flesh and drink of my blood and you will have eternal life. The Spirit is the one who quickeneth. The words that I am speaking to you, what are they? They are Spirit, and they are life. Do you think it's any coincidence that Jesus uses these same words that Paul is using in Romans chapter 8? Spirit and life. It's no coincidence. You see, for the same way that we overcome spiritual death is the same way that we overcome our flesh. Let me say it one more time the same way that we overcome our spiritual death, the way in which we receive salvation is the exact same way that we overcome the flesh. You say, Pastor Yeomans, how is that? By trusting Jesus. By trusting in His shed blood. By trusting in His broken body. Jesus says we must eat His flesh and drink His blood so let me try to put it to you this way we must put more of jesus in in order to get more of jesus out You understand that see the reality is what did we do when we got saved we asked him into our lives we trusted in him and what happened was he paid for all our sins. All of those sins have been eradicated. We are no longer dead indeed in our sins, but we've been made alive. Listen, we have eternal life in Jesus Christ. That's wonderful. We have the victory. But why do we still live defeated? Probably because we stopped putting more of Jesus in. And instead, what did we do? We started putting ourselves in. No, you can never remove Jesus but what you can do is you can push him to one corner of your life so he's just there just a little bit the more we put jesus in the more we get people or excuse me jesus out it's the principle of sowing and reaping galatians chapter 6 verses 7 to 9 you can only see verse 8 here but i want you to hear this be not deceived God is not mocked, for whatsoever a man soweth, that shall he also reap. For he that soweth to his flesh shall of the flesh reap corruption. But he that soweth to the Spirit, that was terrible, soweth to the Spirit, shall of the Spirit, what, reap life everlasting. Let me ask you a question. Do you feel like you are in the image of God right now? I think most of us would have to answer, probably not the way I should be. Maybe there are bits and pieces, and you know I was really nice to my neighbor after he yelled at me, but uh, that was probably it, because I went home and tore him up to my wife, right? I mean, there's bits and pieces of Jesus in our lives, but let me ask you, are you in His image? If we are not, why are we not? Can I ask you, are you sowing to the Spirit? Are you putting Jesus in? Listen, verse 9 is awesome. And let us not be weary in well-doing. For in due season we shall reap if we faint not. You know what happens? I think we just get tired of it. I think we just get tired of just always doing the right thing. Why do I always have to be the one? Listen, you will reap if you faint not keep putting jesus in put his words in the words that i speak unto you what are they their spirit and their life keep putting his words in listen for years and centuries preachers have been preaching read your bible read your bible listen quit reading your bible Stop it. Look at it as I'm putting Jesus into my life. I'm putting Jesus into my life. Listen, do not read your Bible just to read it. Put Jesus in. Look at it as listen, I'm putting Jesus in. If I don't put Jesus out, I am surely not going to get Jesus out. I have to have him. I feel like I've said this a thousand times over the last several lessons, but we do not have to live in the flesh. We can live in victory. And we can see incredible victory in our lives if we will just keep putting Jesus in. I just kind of want to finish with this. Most of us think, oh, it's a pipe dream, right? But here's the reality. and not so Past, past, I don't know, I am trying to think of the other word. Distant past. Very recently, there are many men and women who, you know what, lived just this. They saw God's immense blessings. The first one that comes to my mind, is George Mueller. How many thousands, if not millions of dollars did he pray in Iron judson i mean the list could go on at jim elliott he died oh yeah that's what i want to do i want to die no but you know what those indians are now being saved today because of his death because he just kept putting jesus in listen your life will be something that people won't recognize because it will be too powerful for them because it's god living through you and not you trying to do something for god But most importantly, it's possible. It's possible. The only way we are going to have victory over sin is by putting Jesus in. That's it. That same Spirit that worked through Him will work in us. We can. And we haven't even gotten to the best part of Romans chapter 8 where it says that we are more than conquerors. This is all leading to that. So listen, God created us in his image. We messed it up, and he wants to get us back. Will you put him in? Let's pray. Father, thank you so much for this day, for all you do for us. So grateful for the opportunity. Father, I'm convicted again tonight. Father, I don't know where everybody's at with the amount of Jesus they're putting in. But Father, whatever it is, would they just take the next step? I think that's the most important key here is just take the next step. If you're reading your Bible already for five minutes a day, bump that up to 10. If you're memorizing one verse a year, bump that to two. If you're not memorizing anything, just start memorizing one verse this year. Just start something. Father, give us that strength, that power, Father, not for ourselves. Satan decided he wanted to use it for himself. Father, we don't want it for ourselves. We just want it to live victoriously so that we can glorify you so that you will be seen through us. Father, for whatever you do through us, Father, we pray that we would give you the honor and glory for all that's done. Help us to give our lives to you. We pray all these things in Jesus' name, amen. All right.